Hey, everybody. Welcome out. Uh, this is episode number 30 of our podcast, Redeemed Through His Blood. I'm Scott Durfee, joined by my uncle, our teacher, Brother David Durfee. Good to be with you, Scott, this morning and excited about what we're going to talk about today and follow up on some of the things that we talked about last time. So, Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it as well. Gang, we uh, committed that this week we would talk uh, a lot more about retaining, how to retain the gift of the Holy Ghost. The last couple of weeks we've spent uh, time on how to receive and how to recognize this week. We're going to focus mostly on how to retain, how to keep that gift with us, Dave. So where do we And what, the, what we're really saying, right, Scott, is retaining the Holy Ghost, who is the messenger and the administrator of the atonement of Jesus Christ in our life. What we're really talking about is how to retain a remission of sins. So retaining the Holy Ghost helps us to do that. Yeah. Let's talk about what it even means to retain a remission of sins. I think sometimes when we say that immediately, just like repentance, I think a lot of times people are like, oh, I'm just so reminded of my sins and and everything like that, that it kind of may create a little uh, hesitancy in our approach, for example, or something like that. But I think that uh, as we come to know what it really means to repent and that what it really means to apply or be covered by the atonement of Jesus Christ, I think it helps us to know that if we go back several episodes and we talk about what repentance is, and you know, we, it's really an attitude. It's not necessarily, and we should do this, we should think of each thing in our lives that need to be better and make those better, sure. But repentance is really a, an attitude. And so with that attitude, it, it, what we are trying to retain is that relationship as we have turned away from our sins and turned and embraced the Savior Jesus Christ, through His atonement, through the Spirit of the Holy Ghost, so that we can have that peace in our lives and that healing that comes with it. And that's really what we're talking about here. Yeah, I would say repentance is, is an attitude, Scott. You're right. It's more than that. It's a change of attitude. It's a change of heart. It's a change of behavior. It's a change of perspective. It's a change... It, it's cha- yeah. it changes our life. Yeah. Repentance is change, and repentance means to be changed through the atonement of Jesus Christ. And I'll just say this really quickly, Scott, but, you know, I had a discussion many years ago back in the Midwest with an institute teacher who believed that retaining a remission of sins was like receiving uh, medical treatment that would put your cancer into remission. And that's the way he, he thought about it. He and I had a long discussion about it. And I, I, I kind of reject that because I see repentance and a change and forgiveness that comes through the Holy Ghost as being a, a complete change of life, a newness of life, a... Uh, a uh, born-again ex- experience, an, an Alma experience, uh, the, the Sons of Mosiah experience, and that the retaining a remission of sins keeps those, that those, those sins are gone. Those sins are away from us. Um, I, I really believe the Lord, when he says he forgives us, he really forgives us. And as Doctrine and Covenants 58, 42, 43 says, that he remembers our sins no more. Uh, remission can't be remission of sins can't be compared. I don't think to remission of cancer or any other 
sort of disease, um, maybe maybe it's appropriate when we're talking about remission and recovery to talk about addictions. Yeah. And and this is kind of the idea. You and I talk about this, I think, a lot. Once an addict, always an addict. And maybe you can explain that from your perspective. By the way, Scott. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Today's the day, isn't it? Yeah, we've been, today's we, the day. We've been talking about that date yep. since we started this podcast yep. back in April. Yeah. And it just so happens, and I wasn't thinking about it until I came this morning, but um, we're doing this podcast on your anniversary. So maybe you can explain that, and maybe you can talk about once an addict, always an addict, and what that means in the in the sense of the atonement of Jesus Christ in the gospel. Well, I think that's great because it it actually that actually goes hand in hand, coincides quite neatly actually with uh, retaining, and and so you know as we as we will get into that, oftentimes it's said, and thanks by the way for the for the well, acknowledgement. Congratulations! Yeah. How many years? It's twenty four years today. 24 years 24 today. years of continuous sobriety and 24 yep, years yeah 24 years it's been a, it's been a great 24 years it's amazing and, uh, yeah what a what a rebirth it's but been, you're actually. so old 24 years is nothing no dropping the bucket it's just a it's just a small fraction of my life yeah but, 24 years goes yeah, by pretty yeah, fast yeah and you would know being doesn't seem like uh, that long ago yeah and someone being seven years older than me would have yeah, a great absolutely. great pers- perspective on that anyway so we talk about you know once an addict always an addict once an alcoholic always an alcoholic obviously those things can be um debatable and they are debatable among some they don't seem to be that debatable though in the rooms of recovery you know in those rooms when i'm there with other uh, alcoholics like-minded and all headed in the same direction and you know to us that doesn't seem that strange it doesn't seem debatable you know we need to as alcoholics and al- alcoholics and addicts and i will say we need to as human beings we need to recognize that you know we are just on a process in life where we move forward and we just keep moving forward but because of the human condition which we talked about came about because of the fall of Adam and Eve the fall of us all we talked about that in very early episodes and i think that uh, you know as we continue through and continue this on we'll be bringing that up again here very soon but because of all of those things it's not just a one-and-done kind of scenario. And when we talk about a remission of sin, sometimes we think of it that way. But when we compare that to uh, being an alcoholic or an addict, an alcoholic is, uh, this is a, a disease that can be spiritual and physical. It's mostly spiritual. I mean, it is a, a disease of, uh, of spirituality. In the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, for example, we read that, uh, you know, one that's in remission, okay, uh, from their alcoholism, in order to retain that, what it says is what we really have is a daily reprieve mm. based on our spiritual condition. Mm. And I think that's true when it comes to, you know, I think that parallel can be drawn between what we do in recovery and what we do in our relationship with our Heavenly Father through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, too. But that's, I think, Dave, what that uh, that's what that means, and I think that's how it relates. Well, in, in recent... Uh right findings and studies and scientific research that you know addiction even being more than a disease yeah being more than physical is chemical and literally changes the brain 100 percent accurate so when we say addict always an addict Mm -hmm. that that may be true until that brain is i believe miraculously through the atonement of jesus christ can be 
changed back yeah. to what it was, then then there there may be some I some agree. truth some truth to that. But I, I believe it's it's not a great model to compare uh, addictions or addicts to just sinners and sin and no. sin. It, it is true we're all sinners. <laughs> Once a sinner, always a sinner, because of mortality and because we're tainted by sin every day because of the world that we live in. All of us see it. All of us uh, have thoughts of it. All of us are affected by it every day. So all of that's true. But I I know personally, and uh, I know many others, you and others, uh, know as well that there are some sins that be through the atonement of Jesus Christ, they're not just in remission. They're gone. Yeah. Uh, they can absolutely be gone, and they're far from us, never to be, never to be repeated. They've been completely forsaken, and uh, and if we forsake them and the Lord doesn't remember them, uh, they're gone. Yeah, but you know, and and that brings up a question. I don't know if we want to deal with this right now or not. But you know, that's true about the sin, but the effects of the sin can last for a lifetime. For sure, and for I, sure. But that's covered by the atonement of Jesus Christ yeah, as well. Yeah, I think it's so important that we we learn to differentiate between the two. Because the effects are still evident in my life doesn't mean that the sin is still in me. Right. And I think that sometimes we wrestle with that mentally. I think that that can be an academic or a mental or even more an emotional wrestle that some of us go through sometimes. Because how can I be forgiven of a sin? When those effects are still so alive and well, I see that in my own life. I mean, yeah. I, because of the sins that mm-hmm. I've participated in throughout my life, there's a lot of effects that I have to be witness to, sometimes on a daily basis. So that differentiation can be tricky. Well, that's where faith in Jesus Christ and His atonement, uh, that's where uh, having an eye of faith yeah. and being able to see the things as Christ and God sees them, that those, those, those effects... Uh, do have a limitation they have a, a a life expectancy and they'll they'll die yeah and uh, there will be a newness of life all because of the atonement of jesus christ they'll be gone too a- any negative effects and that even now even now some of us suffer the effects of the sins of others and we receive compensatory blessings through the atonement of jesus christ that that cover us until those effects can be completely removed from from us. And maybe, I don't know how it works in the next life, but maybe even in the next life we'll remember them no more too. Right. I know it's a gift and a blessing that we remember our sins and probably the sins of others so that we don't make the same mistakes and we don't fall in the same traps as we have in the past. It's good for us to remember. But I know that uh, spiritually speaking, Scott, there there have been sins in my life that have been removed from me and that I still remember them, I still have regret, but I feel no guilt. They are not a part of who I am. They are not a part of my life. So uh, uh, retain a remission of sins. Last last time we spoke about uh, what it means to receive the Holy Ghost and I'm sorry. I I need to apologize. I got a phone call from a good friend of ours, family member even who, you know, I made feel really guilty. Who we for... love so much. <laughs> and he was being half serious and half not. And uh, and I love him. 
but um, I hope I didn't make anybody feel like they needed to be perfect in order to have the Holy Ghost. I, I you know, because of my recent experience in, in uh, participating again in, in uh, giving patriarchal blessings and because of, of the experiences that I've gone through recently and how I've had to increase my efforts to, uh, to have, I think, the Holy Ghost with me always. I didn't want anybody to feel guilty or have any expectations of being perfect in this life. Uh, I don't think we have to be perfect, Scott, in this life to retain a remission of sins or to retain the gift of the Holy Ghost in our life. I really do take it seriously uh, when when we talk about having the Holy Ghost always to be with us. In every sacrament prayer, I, I think about that, I ponder that, that if we will remember Him and if we will keep His commandments to be with us, that we will always have his spirit to be with us. And I I believe for the most part, Scott, the Holy Ghost does always want to be with us. I I was, as a young missionary, I was really sensitive to the spirit, as I think most missionaries are. And I had kind of come to the conclusion as a missionary that it's really hard to get the spirit. At least that was my early experience as a missionary because I probably wasn't worthy and I was, you know, struggling with my, with my, um, testimony and everything else as a adolescent. And anyway, I found that it was difficult, a challenge to, to, to get the spirit and a challenge to retain it and really easy to lose it. Yeah. That was kind of my experience as a missionary. Uh, and yet now, all these years, some 50 years, almost 50 years later, I have come to believe just the opposite, Scott. I believe it's pretty simple to get the Holy Ghost. I know He wants to be with us, and I know Heavenly Father wants Him to be with us. And I believe, Scott, that it's pretty hard to lose Him. I mean, I know it's easy not to feel Him. That's different. It's easy for us to maybe not receive him. But I believe he is always there, always present, always always with us. And it's just up to us to qualify ourselves to feel him, to ponder and listen and to receive him in our in our lives. That's how I think it works. So I don't think we have to be perfect or sinless to have the Holy Ghost with us. But we do have to be focused. We do have to be focused, and we do have to really desire His presence to be with us, and then and then f- focus our lives on the things that will help us to recognize Him in our life. Yeah, Dave. There may be some, and you know, there may be some list of our listeners that are thinking and believing everything that we're saying about this, but. There may be also others that are wondering, why is this even so important? Why is it so important that I have the Spirit of the Holy Ghost or the constant companionship of the Holy Ghost? That almost sounds like a dumb question to even ask. But I think that it's important probably that we address that to some degree, especially in light of 
the 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 motive or the motivation behind our podcast in general. Absolutely, here. I I I have lots of friends, loved ones. You do too, who uh, who don't enjoy or have not received the fullness of the Holy Ghost. Scott, really, um, wow. I I I heard Elder Bruce R. McConkie give a talk back in 1981. I think it was April 1981, a devotional at BYU. And uh, he said, you know, if you're going to err, he was talking really about this idea that was going around then about having a special relationship with Jesus. And it was kind of uh, putting the Father on the outs and the Holy Ghost on the outs. And uh, a popular book had been written, and there were some things about having a special relationship with Jesus that kind of, uh, I I don't think... uh, settled quite right with Elder McConkie because he was... I actually remember that. Okay, well, I still have the talk in my file, yeah. and uh, I think it was something about being one. And uh, he says in that talk, I'll never forget this, which I thought was the most important part of the, was this whole talk, was, um, you know, if you're going to err in a relationship with the Godhead, you should err in your relationship with the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost reveals to us the Father and the Son. The Holy Ghost is a testator of the Father and the Son. The Holy Ghost will teach us all truth. If you're going to err in your relationship with Father, Son, or Holy Ghost, you should probably focus more on having a relationship with the Holy Ghost. And I think last week we mentioned, but I don't know if we did a good enough job about speaking about what it means to have faith in the Holy Ghost. I really think that what, what that means, at the very least, is that we... We pray for the gift of the Holy Ghost. We think about the gift of the Holy Ghost. We focus on receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Faith in the Holy Ghost is no different than obtaining faith in Jesus Christ, and that is that we focus on him, that we look unto him in every thought. Uh, I, I, I really know that if we are really sensitive, become sensitized by the Spirit, and really seek him in our lives. That's how we exercise, and that's how we obtain and increase our faith in, in the Holy Ghost, is to live by the Spirit. So as we, as we do these things, Scott, we can retain a remission of our sins. And it's interesting that that phrase, retaining a remission of our sins, is quite unique in our uh, restoration theology and unique in the writings of the prophets in the Book of Mormon. It appears uh, three or four times, I think, in the Book of Mormon, and maybe we can look at those verses now, Scott. Are you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. so um, we have a couple of uh, verses right in the Book of Mormon that talk about that. Uh, do you want to start with the one in Mosiah, Dave? Yeah, let's go to Mosiah okay. 4, Mosiah. 11 and 12. I'll read it. Uh, Mosiah 4, chapter uh, chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Now, there's a whole bunch around this. Uh, I would, if I were to sit down with this today uh, and after listening or, or doing this podcast, I would probably just go through the entire chapter. But this is uh, where it, it begins in verse 9, where it says, Believe in God, believe that he is, and that he created all things, both in heaven and in earth. And, and it goes on and talks about the importance behind that. Now, we go to 11. And again I say unto you, as I have said before, that as ye have come to a knowledge of the glory of God, or if ye have known of his goodness and have tasted of his love, 
and have received a remission of your sins, which causeth such exceedingly great joy in your souls. Even so, I would that you should remember. Okay, let's pause just a moment, yep. Scott. So you, you ask, why do I want the Holy Ghost? Yeah. Great joy. Yeah. Uh, it, it brings us a joy that we can't experience in any other way. I'm not talking about pleasure. I'm not even talking about happiness. I'm talking about a deep, lasting joy and uh, exceedingly great joy in your souls. Yeah. That's what the Holy Ghost brings. And, uh, as a, and all of these things are possible including the Holy Ghost himself because of the atonement of Jesus Christ, which is possible because of the gift of, of uh, Heavenly Father's Son to us. So these, are, these three, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, are inseparable. But as, as you begin to read now, you just read, I would that ye should remember. That is the first qualification to retain the forgiveness of our sins is to remember. And remember what? Well, always uh, remember and always retain in remembrance the greatness of God and your own nothingness and his goodness and long-suffering towards you, unworthy creatures. There's number one. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm going to pause right there for a second too, because the question's asked and have tasted of his love very early on in verse 11 there, and then have received a remission of his sins. How many of us, and I think that this is pretty common, when I talk to people who are in dire straits, you know, I, I'm currently working with several alcoholics as, as a sponsor uh, in uh, recovery programs, and, and this is just one of the things I think that as humans we, we crave without maybe even sometimes knowing that, but that is to feel God's love for us. And that can look like different things to each of us, but in anything positive in our lives, when we're feeling that, that's God's uh, that's God's love being shown to us. And so, taste of His love, and I'm going to go back and received a remission of your sins, which causes such exceedingly great joy in your souls. Even so, I would that you should remember, and always retain in remembrance the greatness of God in your own nothingness and His goodness. And long suffering towards you, unworthy creatures. And humble yourselves. Number two. Number two. Humble yourselves in the depths, even in the depths of humility. Good. Calling on the name That's number three. of the Lord daily. Calling on the name of the Lord daily. That's number three. Here comes number four. And, and standing steadfastly in the faith of that which is to come which was spoken of by the mouth of the angel. And that is the atonement of Jesus Christ. Because right. this, this scripture, the context of this chapter, is it's looking forward to Christ and his atoning sacrifice. So it's, it's saying there, standing steadfastly in the faith of that which is to come, well, we should stand steadfastly in those events that occurred when Christ, in his last few hours, days, and week of his life, suffered for all of our sins, paid the price, met the demands of justice, we need to stand steadfastly in the faith of those events. Then, so that's four things. Remember the greatness of God and yep. our nothingness, right? Yep. Humble ourselves, even the depths of humility, calling on the name of the Lord daily, 
even multiple times maybe a day, and then standing steadfastly in the faith of Christ's atonement. And then verse 12 says, And 12 is promise. This is great. This This is the promise. And behold, I say unto you, that if you do this, you shall always, and I love that. I love when I read always. the word always, and, it, and it's followed by, by a word like rejoice, and it, especially when it's in a promise from a prophet, from God. And I love that. And, if you, and, it, and behold, I say unto you that if you do this, you shall always rejoice and be filled with the love of God and always retain a remission of your sins, and you shall grow in the knowledge of the glory of him that created you, or in the knowledge of that which is just and true. Progression. Yeah. Uh, we can always rejoice, and we always retain remission of our sins if we do those four things that he talks about in verse 11, and yet we're still growing and uh, in our understanding and in our knowledge of... Uh, the plan of redemption. So, well, I think, Dave, too, also, is if you go beyond the, just those two verses and you go to verses 13 through even, I don't know, for quite a while here, through at least 16, it, it, it will tell us and it shows us how that we can recognize that those things are happening in our life. We can recognize by uh, these few things that are that are taught here whether or not we have that spirit. And, and, you know, so for example, in 14, he says, you will not suffer your children that they go hungry or naked, neither will you suffer that they transgress any of the laws of God. And then going down to 15, but you will teach them to walk and walk in the ways of truth and soberness. And it goes on. And so this is the effects. When we have the, uh, when we have the spirit with us and we're retaining that, uh, we can know that that's happening in our lives by the way our relationships are working. By the yeah. way our behavior is, by especially our relationship with our Heavenly Father, Dave. Yeah, and our fellow men, and really. Fellow uh, men, right. If we don't love our, our brothers, then we don't love God, according to John in First John. Yep. Um, I, I heard an apostle once many years ago, Scott. He is in kind of a priest leadership meeting, and he asked a question. How do you, know if, how do you really know if a person is converted? How do you really know if he's experienced the atonement of Jesus Christ in his life, and how do you know if he's been forgiven and retaining a remission of his sins and filling the Holy Ghost? How do, how do you know that? And people were raising their hands and giving all kinds of, of answers, Scott, and this went on for, I don't know, several minutes. And finally he said, well, I love all of your answers, and they're all partially true. But he said, for me, the number one evidence that a person has truly been converted to the Lord Jesus Christ and his atonement, has the Holy Ghost, has received a remission of sins and retaining a remission of sins, it is how they treat their fellow men. Yeah. I, I think he based that on on Mosiah chapter four here yeah, because you know, he talks about the beggar and, yep. and giving to the poor and, yep. and you know, Scott, it's kind of the litmus test as I've thought about that over the years is how do I really feel towards my, my fellow men and, and not just, not just those that I get along with or that I have no. things in common with. No, that's easy. I'm, I'm talking about beggars. Yeah. I'm talking about the marginalized 
I'm talking about minorities. I'm talking about majorities. I'm talking about people who maybe I don't have anything in common with, and including my enemies. Yeah, and that's the that's and the strangers. harder one right there, the enemies one. I mean, it's it's not easy. I won't I won't probably go so far as to say it's easy. For some, it is. I think to uh, take care of those that are marginalized and take care of the homeless and the poor and all that. But it's our enemy. Yeah, it's those that have offended us. If we really love, if we really have the love of God yeah. in us, yeah. which is what He just described, right? That we that, will yeah, always exactly. retain. Yeah, we'll always retain not only remission of our sins, but we'll retain the love, the of, love God. of God. That's how we know we're retaining the remission of our what sins. Is, what does that look like? We will love others, Every, and we will help others yeah. to feel the love of God through us. Yeah. I, I th- that apostle, which happened to be Marvin J. Ashton, uh, believed that that was the greatest evidence and sign. Yeah, and he was a great example of that. Yeah, he, indeed he was. Well, there's another great scripture in Mosiah chapter four. After describing the beggar and do we do we impart our substance to others? Uh, he says in verse twenty six. You want to read that one? Yeah. <clears throat> And now, uh, and now, for the sake of these things which I have spoken unto you, that is, for the sake of the retaining and remission of your sins from day to day, I think that's important. From day to day, day. To day every day, every minute, Daily. every day. These are our days. Yeah, this isn't just a one and done. This and this, is, this isn't just, again, retaining and remission of sins, but retaining the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the love of God. Okay. Um, for you may walk, let me just start over. And now for the sake of these sayings, which I have spoken unto you, that is for the sake of retaining the remission of your sins from day to day, that ye may walk guiltless before God, I would that ye should impart of your substance to the poor, every man according to that which he hath, such as feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, visiting the sick and administering to their relief, both spiritually and temporar- temporarily, temporally according to their wants and and then verse 27 see that all these things are done in wisdom and in order well i i think that means we don't go around giving cash to everybody who's asking for it that we have to we have to use wisdom and it has to be done in order when we are giving to the poor and giving of our substance I think that's a really important line, first line of the next verse. But I, I think that we spoke about this uh, some some episodes ago, Scott, about this being an important part of repentance, the very process of repentance. And, and we talked about it in terms of making restitution, that the way we try to make restitution, which is one of the really important uh, parts of the process of repentance, is that we try to give back to Jesus what he has done for us. And the way we do that best is, inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, he said, ye have done it unto me. Matthew 25, that amazing, uh, that amazing parable, uh, parable on, on feeding the, the hungry, clothing the naked, visiting the, those in prison. And, and that's how we make yeah. restitution. Yeah. And we should be continually in a state of repentance, continually making restitution, trying to serve Jesus by serving our fellow men. 
this is an important part of the process. This is not only how we receive a remission of sins, but how we retain a remission of sins. A really important part. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm going to take uh, just a little bit of a, uh, a diversion here, and we're going to go back into the uh, the realms of recovery. You know, when uh, we have new folks, and I, I, I was new once, 24 years ago, I was brand new. Uh, but when we have new people come in, one of the things that is really important for us, you know, first off, let me just say this. The first three steps in Alcoholics Anonymous or any recovery program are, um, the first one is is we recognize we can't, that we're powerless over whatever our addiction is. The second one is is that we believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity. Uh, and there's an assumption there that we were once sane in order for something to be restored. Uh, and some for some of us, that may go all the way back to the preexistence. That, that well, you sanity. just you just described uh, Mosiah four eleven. Yep. Remember the greatness of God, and remember your own nothingness, yep. you unworthy creatures. Yep. And then three, we make a decision to turn our will and our life over to the care of God. Broken heart and contrite spirit encapsulated there. But, Humility. Once that's taking place, and once somebody is in the rooms of recovery and in the program and living this life, oftentimes it feels difficult because of the uh, buffetings of the enemy, and for various other reasons. A lot of it has to do with chemical. We talked about that, a lot of those things. But what we have learned, what we have found early on, and we didn't find this. This is an eternal truth. But what we discovered is an eternal truth early on. And when I say we, I wasn't the one making the discovery. It was made many, 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 many decades ago. But this was, uh, and it falls right in line with what we're saying here, service is the answer. Mm. You know, if if somebody calls me, uh, and it's not every time, but if somebody calls me and they're just really struggling, you know, a lot of times my directive will be go get in service. Go find somebody to serve. Go serve this person who needs that. Go serve this person who needs this. And what that does, we found, and and it it does without fail, it will keep somebody keep their feet walking on the path of recovery. But the reason it does that is because that aligns us with God's love for others. It puts us as an instrument in his hands Mm -hmm. to show his love to them. Therefore, we're feeling that love ourselves. When we're feeling that love ourselves, then we're feeling remission from whatever that might be that has uh, taken us off track, and we now have his spirit in our lives. And then, and then we can really start focusing on what that means and what that is, which is nothing less than the atonement of Jesus Christ at work in our lives, Dave. Well, uh, thank you, Scott. Uh, service is really important, and there's many uh, ways and avenues and methods and means that we can serve others. But I'm thinking about all of the great born-again experiences and conversion stories that we read in the Book of Mormon and in the New Testament and that we know about personally in our lives and others is that when you really experience that love of God, that remission of sin, that forgiveness and the gift of the... When you, when you experience all of that, the, I think the first desire you have is to share it with others. And maybe the highest level or form of, of service is in the sharing of the atonement of Jesus Christ and ministering the atonement of Jesus Christ in the lives of others, to be more effective in ministering. And what I really believe ministering means is, is not just uh, giving bread or cookies, even though I think that's a great way to minister. 
But ultimately, if ministering is not attached to the ministering of Jesus Christ into the lives of others, or sharing the love of God into the lives of others, then it's it's not really Christian ministering. And so I I love what you're saying, and I know that it's true when I think of Alma, the first thing he wanted to do was to go go preach the word and share the share the gospel with others and and uh, the uh, um uh sorry that's right enos and enos uh scott well the first thing he wanted to do was pray for his brother in the nephites mm-hmm. and then he prayed for his enemies the lamanites again the greatest evidence that we have that somebody has really experienced this and perhaps not just the evidence or the sign of their conversion, Scott, but you're saying, in what you just shared, the greatest way to retain that experience, remission, love of God, is by giving it away and serving others. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly it. Because, you know, we are, you know, last a couple of weeks ago, we said we're, we can't do many more things more Christ-like than forgiving others. Well, Maybe if there was one, it would be to serve others, right? I mean, and that's, it's all part of service. I mean, that, that's, the, that's the whole purpose to which he was born, was to serve, to serve us, to serve. And so I think that when we align our lives with his, uh, when we strive to have our will and our life swallowed up by his will, their will, then, then I think that that's how it manifests itself, is in the way, you know, the way we treat others, and the way that we serve others. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to embarrass you, but approximately, maybe you know, maybe there's a number. How many? How many people have you sponsored? Because yeah. I think sponsoring in the right the uh, yeah. programs of yeah. recovery yeah. Yeah. is an important way to to do that. Yeah, I don't know how many it is. I, I know right now I'm currently sponsoring about 11, 11 men who are very active in working their program. Over the years, it's been. I don't know. And what a blessing to those men, but more so almost what a blessing to you. Yeah, and that's just it. That's why you've got 24 years today. That's exactly, that's exactly what I tell others. You know, when I, when I'm working with a new uh, alcoholic and when I say new, I, I, I don't mean to be demeaning or condescending anyway, but just somebody who has less time. Uh, for example, I'm working with a couple of gentlemen now who are sponsoring other other people themselves. You know, they have six years, seven years, five years, I don't know, whatever. But oftentimes they'll call me with discouragement around what's happening with one of their what we call sponsees, somebody that they're sponsoring. Oh, how do I handle this? How do And I just say, time out for just a second. You need to remember the reason you sponsor them is for you. That's how we keep the program in our lives, mm. you know, so we can't put a lot of energy in the reception of our sponsorship. We can't put, uh, we can't decide, hey, it's, I'm successful or I'm a failure. Uh, first off, we don't use those words, but uh, we can't determine that based on the way a sponsee, for example, may be behaving or, or misbehaving, <laughs> as it were. But, you know, I, I always teach that, that, you know, it's important that you remember the reason you sponsor other people, that's for your program. That, obviously, there's benefit there. Well, keeping the gospel of Jesus Christ in our life is the same, right? Exactly the same. Uh, if, if we want to keep it or we want to strengthen our testimonies, we have to share them. We have to bear them. Yeah. We have to give them away. Yeah. 
Yeah, this is this is my experience uh, throughout my life in teaching the gospel. Yeah. Is the teacher is always more benefited than the than the students. Yeah. And uh, we bear our testimonies to find and strengthen and to receive more testimony. Uh, so it's the same principle, yeah. whether we're talking about recovery or... Or ministering in the gospel. Or ministering in the gospel. Yeah. yeah. Part of my stewardship that I currently have as a calling is I'm over the ministering in our ward, and it's the same principle. You know, if I can get the elders in our quorum to realize that understanding ministering is just my, another way of me being like him, being like Jesus, uh, the, the way it's received... Uh, really the outcome of the ministering or the perceived outcome, I should say, of the ministering is really not what's important. What's important is the actual act and the actual behavior and relationship with our Heavenly Father and Jesus as we're doing it. That's the, that's what really matters. That's what's important. As we go through the process of repentance and uh, seeking to access the power of Jesus Christ and His atonement in our lives, God, if, if we do it right, you know, we we feel the love of the Father yeah. in the sacrificing of His Son. We are filled with the love of the Savior for the suffering, the price that He paid for us, that He carried out for us. And we feel the love from the Holy Ghost, minister mercy and grace and, and love into our life. There's there's this principle, this principle of reciprocity, in the gospel, which is, if you give it away, it comes back to you. If I give grace, I get grace. That's called grace for grace. Doctrine and Covenants section ninety three. If I give mercy, Sermon on the Mount, then I receive mercy. If I give love, Mosiah, chapter four. I get back love. If I give forgiveness, I am forgiven. Right. There is there, there's this principle, the eternal principle of the gospel that says if we will will offer it to others, it, it always comes back to us. That's even taught I think in uh, Ecclesiastes, you know, you cast your your bread upon the water and it always it always comes back to you. Yeah. Yeah, an eternal truth, and it's, you know, I hear uh, men in the secular world talking about that as well in the business world, you know, the law of the harvest and the law of reciprocity and, and all those things, but it is an eternal truth. The, the, uh, we put that good out, and uh, it comes back. It'll always come back to us some way or another. Oftentimes, for me, Dave, oftentimes it comes back in tender mercies that I get to witness through members of my family. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, let's let's turn to the uh, another passage okay. on what it takes to retain a remission of sins, and uh, this is in uh, I think uh, verse thirteen and fourteen of Alma chapter four. The church is kind of struggling. Alma's about ready to give up his his uh, chief uh, judgmentship to go out and to be full time high priest and preach the gospel because. The church has become very proud. The church has become very rich. And now there's great inequality in the church and out of the church. And Alma makes this interesting uh, observation in verse 13 and 14. He says, Now this was a great cause 
for lamentations among the people. In other words, the inequality and pride of the people. Others were abasing themselves, succoring those who stood in need of their succor, such as imparting their substance to the poor and the needy, feeding the hungry and suffering all manner of afflictions, for Christ's sake, who should come according to the spirit of prophecy. Now get this, verse 14. Looking forward to that day, meaning Christ's day, the day of atonement, the week of atonement. Looking forward to that day, thus retaining a remission of their sins, being filled with great joy because of the resurrection of the dead, which hadn't even happened yet, according to the will and power and deliverance of Jesus Christ from the bands of death. So I think there's here's another another key to retaining the gift of the Holy Ghost and to retain a remission of sins. We must look forward to the coming of Christ, his second coming I'm talking about now, and we must look back and remember, always remember, the atonement of Jesus Christ to keep again that commandment that he gives us in Doctrine and Covenants section 6. Look unto me, he says, in every thought, doubt not, fear not. Behold the wounds that pierce my side and the nails of the prince in my hands and feet. Scott, as we, as we remember, we retain. And as we look forward to the coming of Christ, the resurrection and the judgment of God uh, and of all men, we, we can retain. It's, it's where is our focus? Is our focus on our sins? Hard to retain remission of sins when you're focused on your sin. Our focus should not be on our sin. Our focus should be on Jesus Christ suffering for our sins. Our focus should be on helping others to be able to learn the principles of repentance and the plan of redemption. Yeah. I think if we don't, I think if we don't focus, uh, then maybe we're being challenged in our um, ability to remember right we're not remembering if we're not if we're not able to focus on those things and we're really not probably remembering and then the other thing that comes into my mind dave as we talk about this you know to remember that i mean that that there's a connotation there that we once knew you know and so sometimes yeah. sometimes for some of us that might be an invitation to get to know even better to dive deeper into that remembering or into that knowledge so that when we say remember, to, to have that remembering, to, to enjoy that, to have that well and alive in our lives, we really need to know. We need to go back to and, and have that experience with, and like you've often said, you know, when we hit our rock bottom, we need to really visit him in his rock bottom. We, we need, need to get to a glimpse. There. We do. We need to get a glimpse. We need to cry out. We need to invite. We need to live our lives aligned with his so that we can have this remembering in our lives. What a sweet remembering it is, though, when we do. When, when, when our focus is on 
Jesus Christ and his atonement, when we go to the Garden of Gethsemane and we see him there and we go stand at the foot of the cross and we see him there, or if we, if, if we could to get a glimpse of, of all that he has done for us, it really changes not just how we think, not just how we feel, but it changes our behaviors. So I, I think that this is a really important aspect that Alma brings up uh, to all of the church about how to retain the gift of the Holy Ghost and remission of sins. And and on that point, Scott, every Sunday, every Sunday when we gather around the sacrament table yeah, and we partake of that sacred, holy ordinance of partaking of the sacrament, every time that prayer is offered, I think about these principles that we promise that if, we will partake of the sacrament and we always make this covenant to always remember him and to keep his commandments, then we will always have his spirit, and that means forgiveness of sin, yeah. to be with us. When we have the Holy Ghost, we know the atonement is working in our life. So when we make a covenant and receive the promise that if we will always remember him and strive to keep his commandments, that we will always have his spirit to be with us. And if you think about that, you know, a lot of times, and, and I, this is my experience as Deb and I teach uh, institute to, uh, to young single adults stake at BYU each week, you know, one of the things that comes up is, you know, the atonement's great but for, for my sin. But you you talk about it. They say this to Deb and I. You talk about this, brother and sister Durfee, uh, like we can use the atonement to heal so much more in our lives, which is actually true, you know. And so we, for those of us who are struggling with, and, and I'm not going to start listing them because uh, there are so many reasons and so many things in this life that we struggle with personally and as uh, cultures and as families and as nations and everything else. Well, the answer to all of those problems, Dave, is having his spirit to be always to be with us. All of those problems, not just our sins. I mean, that's an extremely important component of it, but uh, we need to feel his spirit with us always so that we can deal with the loss of a loved one so we can deal with a child who may wander so we can deal with some forms of mental illnesses depression anxiety uh, loneliness uh, and i could go on moment by moment that's it every day of our life yep we need the the holy ghost to be with us yep. always to be with us to always be with us and this partaking of the sacrament, Scott, which is, I think, I think the brethren have referred to it as the most sacred ordinance of the church. Right. You know, uh, I'm thinking back to, I think it was the year 2000 or 2002, uh, right after the turn of the 21st century, President Nelson, who was then an apostle, gave a talk in a leadership, uh, worldwide leadership training meeting, about the sacrament, and um, I, I enjoy reviewing that every once in a while, and he talked about how to prepare to partake the sacrament. I think Elder Holland also gave a conference talk on this not too long ago, a few years ago, and uh, they, they talked about being on time, mm -hmm. 
uh, going there prepared, looking, mm-hmm. looking, cleaning, uh, cleaning yourself uh, physically, uh, cleaning yourself spiritually through repentance, uh, beginning Saturday night, you know, and it seems like we used to do this better in the old days when I was a little boy about taking our Saturday night baths and mm-hmm. preparing for Sunday, and there's a beautiful little primary... Saturday was a special day. There you go. A little primary, right, song. The day we uh, get ready for Sunday. About preparing for Sunday, and that that we need to make preparation for it, and we need to go to that, to that uh, meeting and that sacrament table repentant and and striving to be clean and to receive the elements of the Lord's flesh and blood. I mean, Scott, we would never be be late for that meeting if we really knew what we were doing. Uh, now, I know there's challenges with that with little ones and of course, circumstances, absolutely. and yeah. I, I, I know that. Yeah. But, yeah. But, but too often times, it's, it's not really understanding the sacred nature of that ordinance that uh, kind of um, takes away from our preparation. And if we would really prepare for it and uh, go there expecting uh, to take into ourselves and remember his suffering and partake of his flesh and then partake of that little cup of water, which represents and symbolizes his blood you know i've i've always found these verses to be really really sobering in saint john chapter 6 scott verse 53 starting with verse 53 he says uh, then jesus said unto them so these are the words of christ verily verily that's big when there's two verilies verily verily i say unto you Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life? Wow! And I will raise him up at the last day, for my flesh is meat indeed and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. That, that's, a, that's amazing to me, that passage. That if we just... Is that, do, you, do you take that literally, Scott? That if, if we worthily strive to worthily partake of the flesh and blood, the sacrament of Jesus Christ weekly that will have eternal life. Yeah, I do take that literally. And I haven't always, perhaps, maybe I've approached the sacrament table with some um, casualness in the past. Uh, You know, when I say in the past, I mean years past. But recently, David, um, Deb and I both have just made a, a concerted, conscientious effort that when the sacrament is passed, that we're prepared. Uh, we've either fasted and, you know, we don't do that uh, every week and, you know, and, and, I, and I hesitate to get into what we do because I'm not laying a pattern of righteousness here. I'm just laying a pattern of what Scott and Deb do to prepare or what Scott, I should just speak for myself, what Scott does to prepare for the sacrament. But I do do that. Uh, my, my prayer Saturday night is uh, very much 
focused on what will be taking place the next day. And when I, and I'm not talking about the many meetings that I'm going to be in the next day. I'm talking about that sacred moment where we take of the blood and we partake of the flesh of of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so that we can have this so that he can be with me so that he can be with us and and as we do that boy our lives are different in Malachi uh, you know where where the Lord says you know prove me now herewith when he's talking about tithing and he's mm-hmm. talking about paying tithing and you know if you don't believe me try try me out that's what he means by prove me now herewith yeah, sure. you know i would i would say that that invitation should be extended in fact i'm ex- going to extend that right now to all of us you know let's prove that out this week let's let's as we partake of the sacrament let's go in just a little more conscientious of what we're doing let's go in just a tiny bit more prepared uh let's try and align our spirits and our in our lives completely uh, to be more aligned with our Heavenly Father's will for us. And I promise, because it's happened for me, and, you know, we heard uh, you just quote President Nelson say it might be the uh, one of the most, the most sacred ordinance that we participate in our church. I promise that because of that, our lives will and are different when we approach the sacrament table that way. All because, all because of the promises that are there, that we will always have His Spirit to be with us. That's what we're talking about, David. That's the retaining of the remission. That's and, and we'll have eternal life. And eternal life, which we know to be celestial life. Celestial life, living celestial with him life, and our Father. Living with God. If we just will prepare and partake of the sacrament the way we should, we will obtain eternal life. I, I know Jesus meant that literally. Yeah. Now, I know there's conditions to that, and it must be done in faith. And we must qualify. But... What an amazing! I think it's one of the most outstanding, amazing promises in in all this in all the scriptures. I I did a um, made a video for our stake on the importance of partaking the sacrament, um, Scott, a few years ago, and uh, I wanted to to make this video in the chapel, which stake president allowed allowed me to do, and and uh, the sacrament table there was set and. I, I pointed out, you know, that what does that look like to you, That those linens? What do those linens remind you of when you look at the sacrament yeah. table? I, I wish that our sacrament tables, this is a personal thing, uh, in the old uh, chapels, in most of the really old pioneer chapels, Scott, the sacrament table was in the middle of the room and uh, was really kind of the center of the room in which uh, the saints met and... Uh, I think sometimes that that we would be better served if, if sacrament table was right in the front and that you couldn't, uh, everybody's attention had to be on that sacrament table, even before the priests and even before we sang. And if people would just look at that sacrament table and those linen cloths, you know, I, it, I picture the Savior. I do too. The bread under and the water linen, the bre- under those linen cloths. The bread and the water under that linen is his flesh. It and represents blood. his burial. Absolutely, it represents him. Yeah, those linen cloths, and and then to uh, hear those prayers. And one of the things that Elder Nelson said in this worldwide leadership conference was he talked uh, through I think three or four paragraphs on the importance of singing the sacrament hymn mm. properly. Mm. With real worship and with all your heart, I don't know, but I 
I when I look around, I'm not I'm not being critical. This is just an observation. Mm-hmm. But it seems like so many uh, do not put all their heart and worship and and effort into singing and worshiping in our hymns, especially this is an opportunity for us in the future to do better in singing and worshiping through the sacrament hymns. Uh, I think that's really an important part. Well, it, it is. Elder Nelson yeah. talked about what an important part that was yeah. in our preparation is how we sing the, the sacrament hymn. And then as we partake after the priests have offered those prayers and given the covenant and the promises of what we're doing. And I think it's important to point out that Elder Perry, Elder uh, Stapley and others have said, you know, what are we renewing when we partake of the sacrament? We're renewing all of our covenants. All of our covenants. Yeah, that includes... How do you renew your your sealing and temple yeah. marriage? Yeah. You partake of the sacrament. Yeah. How do you renew the covenant of the endowment, initiatory? How do you how do you renew those by going back to the temple? Well, you can certainly remember and recall and bless the others vicariously by going back to the temple and doing it again. But for us personally, individually, we renew all our covenants, temple, baptism, and all covenants at the sacrament table. At the sacrament table. Yeah, we That's what we do. I think if people understood that, it would raise their their level of of worship when they partake of the sacrament every Sunday. So when we go and we're prepared and we participate in the sacrament, I was uh, in a meeting with Elder uh, Jay Jensen, who was uh, one of the presidents of the 70 a few years ago, probably been 10 years ago now. And he told a group of young single adults in in a special meeting, that every time he partakes of the sacrament, he quotes this scripture in his mind. And I'd like to share it with with everyone. It's in Doctrine and Covenants, section 110, verse 5. So this is, this is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery in the Kirtland Temple. And he says in verse 5, Behold, your sins are forgiven you, you are clean before me. Therefore, lift up your heads and rejoice. Every time Elder J.E. Jensen, who I have so much love and respect for, would partake of the sacrament, he would quote that verse to remind himself and galvanize in his mind and remember the power of that ordinance and the power and the efficacy of the atonement of Jesus Christ in his personal life. I, I don't do it every time, but I think about this often, and oftentimes we'll, we'll turn to it and read it while I partake of the sacrament. Behold, your sins are forgiven you. You are clean. Wow. Therefore, lift up your head and rejoice. Think how that could change our lives and our relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost if we really felt that, exercised faith in that, 
believed that every time we partake of the sacrament, we're not sinless, but we're worthy enough to participate in that sacred ordinance that our sins were being forgiven. And the atonement of Jesus Christ through the administration of the gift of the Holy Ghost was being administered into our life. That's how we retain the, the Spirit and forgiveness to always be with us. And that's actually the purpose of today's podcast uh, is to help us to understand and to know that. Just real quickly, there, I've mentioned this in episodes past, that uh, there was a period of time when I had my membership had been lifted, and because of that, I was restricted in being able to partake of the sacrament. And you talk about um, people singing and preparing for the sacrament. One of the... Um, some of the counsel that was given to me during that period of time as I was working so closely with leaders uh, in my stake and in my ward was to prepare as though I was able to partake of the sacrament, even though I wasn't, but to prepare as though I was. And I did. That was, that was something that was became a very... I don't want to use the, don't mean to uh, uh, overuse uh, a, a word like ritual, but it, it became almost ritualistic to me, David, the way that I prepared for it. Uh, there were certain things that I needed to do and I had to do and I wanted to do so that I could feel what portion of the spirit would be available to me. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, as you were talking about singing a hymn, you know, prior to partaking of the sacrament, I don't remember very many Sundays, and I tried to sit out of the view of most, and I tried to be as discreet, uh, but but I'm an emotional kind of guy. I cry uh, at chick flicks. (laughs) I still do. But when that, um, but when they, when the opening, or when the hymn in preparation for, and as the bread was being broken and the sacrament being prepared by those priesthood holders worthy and called and holding the keys to do that was doing that it was very 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 frequently that uh, stream uh, tears would stream down my face as I felt my savior's love wow. I I just know that uh, you know what you said and that counsel to be given that was given is just so important and so true and you know uh, brothers and sisters uh, please take advantage please grasp our invitation this week employ whatever it is that you need to to make the sacrament experience whether you're partaking of it or not that sacrament experience can be a sacred holy life-changing and important uh, component to our entire week and to our entire life so we uh, extend that to you and hope that you'll embrace it god it's it's so it can be hard to really focus during the sacrament on the things that we should that we should focus on there even in our, our sacrament meetings as reverent as reverent as i think they are even, even with the little children and everything else that's going on around us it is just so important that we eliminate as many distractions as we possibly can um, for ourselves and for others around us we be careful really careful how we use electronics or our phones, uh, that we do everything that we can, uh, again, not just for ourselves, but for others, to, to not allow any distractions taking place during that meeting. I'll never forget, this is in the, the Answers to Gospel Questions, I think uh, Volume 2, uh, I can't remember what page. This is Joseph Fielding Smith. This is a, this is a quote. 
whispering during the sacrament is a sin. Joseph Fielding Smith really believed that and taught that and preached that, that whispering during the sacrament is a sin. I, I can re, I've remembered that for many, many years. I even remember with my little children trying to teach them that, that uh, if we needed to communicate during the sacrament, we would uh, maybe find other ways to, to do so without, without talking without even whispering. And um, unfortunately, sometimes it's not something that we're going to be judged by or it's not going to take away from the, the power of Christ's atonement or the power of that ordinance. But it may be a distraction, if not, if not for ourselves, for others. So leaders sitting on the stand and mothers and fathers and children and all of us in whatever our situation may be, we just need to really do the best we can to really focus on what the sacrament is about and to think about his last week and his, his suffering spiritually, physically, the blessings of the atonement of Jesus Christ and all of the powers and blessings and grace and mercy and redemption and enabling powers and compensatory blessings and all that we receive in our life through the atonement of Jesus Christ. I even like to, now that I don't have children, I can bow my head and I can pray during the sacrament. Uh, you know, it's there's just so many things I think that can help us to really focus and to remember. If we can't focus and remember Jesus Christ during the passing of the sacrament, how well are we going to do the rest of the week yeah. to remember and to focus as we just made a covenant to do yeah. in the sacrament prayer to remember him always that we may always have his spirit to be with him with us if we can't do that during the sacrament the passing of the sacrament how are we going to do that the rest of the week yeah that's the whole point there are 10,080 minutes in 7 days 10,080 minutes in a week Okay, okay. 10,080. If the sacrament takes 20 minutes, and that might be uh, on the heavy side, it may not take that long sometimes, but if the sacrament takes 20 minutes, that's a very good return on investment in my world. If I can invest 20 minutes so that the yeah, remaining 10,060 minutes wow. of my week can be more... So that's 20 minutes so that the remaining 10,060 minutes of my week can be more aligned and I can be more, I can be promised to have his spirit always with me during that period of time. When you put it that way, Dave, it seems like an extremely mm. small investment. Wow. Yep. What a return. I think maybe we should close soon, but I want to just remind all of us, because I always think about this when I talk about the sacrament is what the Savior did when he visited the Americas. And the very first day, in the very first moment almost, he tells them, gives them the power to, to, to baptize and, to, and, and encourages them to be baptized and that there be no disputation among them. And, and shortly after that, he blesses the children. And after he's blessed the children and delivered some teachings, he, he institutes the sacrament among the Nephites in 3 Nephi chapter 18. And when he institutes the sacrament among the Nephites, this is, uh, 
This is what it says. He says, and this shall ye always do, the sacrament, to those who repent and are baptized in my name, and ye shall always do it in remembrance of my blood, which I have shed for you, that ye may witness unto the Father that ye do always remember me. And if ye do always remember me, ye shall have my spirit to be with you and forgiveness and the power of the atonement in our life. And I give you a commandment that ye shall do these things, and if ye shall always do these things, blessed are ye, for ye are built upon my rock. When we, when we speak of building our foundations upon the rock of Christ, you know what that really means? To partake of the sacrament. Christ is the rock, but we build our foundations upon the rock of this sacred holy ordinance we call the sacrament. This is the rock. This is the rock of Christ. To remember him by partaking of his body and his blood. And I again go back to John 6. If we do these things, we'll not only have eternal life, but he will dwell in us, and we will dwell in him. That's the significance yeah. of, the, of the sacrament. So when we talk about retention and forgiveness of sin, the, the sacrament is really a central part of all of it. Yeah. We could go on for a long time today. <laughs> this is a, this is an awesome topic. Obviously, one that we both uh, have a lot of passion around, uh, a lot of conviction, and and honestly, even more importantly than all of that, a great depth of reverence for the ordinance of the sacrament. I'm so grateful for it. I'm so grateful for the opportunity that I get each week to retain the remission of everything in my life that is not just exactly like our Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ, but to retain that remission through the atonement of Jesus Christ administered to me through his Spirit, which I'm promised to always have with me mm-hmm. if I keep his commandments and, and always remember him. So great to, great to be Amen. with you today, today you, Dave. Scott. Do you have anything? Thank you, everybody. Do you have anything finally you'd like to impart to us? No. Okay. Thankful for the emails and any feedback yeah. that we get from our, our sweet listeners or any questions that you that you have. I know we're planning a podcast here in the near future to answer some of those questions about dis- different aspects of the atonement which uh, we'll look forward to doing, but uh, grateful for uh, our relationship, Scott, and relationship with the listeners who have reached out to us. Yeah, as am I. Uh, you can send those to us at gmail.com. Thanks for being with us. We appreciate it so much. Uh, please uh, share with your friends and others, and uh, may God bless you. And as you partake of the sacrament this Sunday, please participate in our invitation. Focus. Focus. And remember. And remember, and that we may always have his spirit to be with us is our greatest and deepest desire this week, and uh, we're grateful for you. We'll see you all next week. Thanks for being with us.